Warning! The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be rated by the ESRB. Player discretion is advised. There's also the possibility that mid-to-late game spoilers will occur for the series we are discussing tonight. Be careful in case you have not gotten further into it and don't want to risk massive late-game spoilers and plot twists. And remember, the opinions expressed are of the individual players and do not reflect the Dubtalk Guild as a whole. And finally, always make sure you are responsible with any loot box purchases. No matter how great that rare limited item may be, or that SSR UR version of your adorable 2D waifu may be oh so tempting, make sure that you never go too deep into the sea and go full-blown whale. Seriously, I've seen people drop over 300 bucks for their gals. Never go full whale. Unless you're Lily. But, for those of you who don't want to drop your rent money, I propose a far more affordable option of entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, recovery of an MMO junkie. Let's log in. I have a question for the viewers out there. How do you spend your Saturday nights? Maybe you like to play video games? Maybe online RPGs? Do you like to play them so much to the point that you start spending money on in-game purchases, engaging in microtransactions constantly? Probably to the point that you've blown a weekly paycheck or two on loot boxes and limited edition items, in turn possibly neglecting your social life, causing it to wither away. So what happens next at that point? Join us this evening for a dub talk intervention where we chronicle the recovery of an MMO junkie. I'm Jamal, and tonight I'll be your moderator for this session. Joining me are my fellow gamers, Zenith. Hey yo, what's going on everybody? I'm ready to play a game. Sneeps. Logged on, ready to tank and spank. And Andowder McDowderton, I mean Andrew, aka Classy Spartan. Hey all I've been gotcha free for two to three months, and I am happier for it. Yes. For those who have no idea what we're talking about, welcome to Dub Talk, where tonight we'll be discussing the surprise anime here of the season, Recovery of an MMO Junkie, brought to you by Studio Signal MD. Also known as the cutest show this season, this this show is so damn heartwarming and cute. I just I watched like all five episodes in pretty much one sitting, and I was squealing with happiness the entire time. Like I on the inside, I was a little girl again, and I'm just like, oh my, mm. like just squeeing the entire time. It's so so cute. I'd I'd say definitely of the fall season this has been the single most pleasant surprise of them all like i figured okay this might be entertaining this might be worth a few chuckles but no it is genuinely one of the best shows and something i highly highly recommend that everybody here go watch it is a show that could only have existed this period of time and it really hits me and a lot of us close to home Oh yeah, it, oh, yeah. So it gets my official stamp of approval, my Zen stamp. You know, go right, slap it on there. Yeah, 
I find it really captures that feeling of basically what we have here with Doug Talk. People who we've just met online and formed friendships with and the wonderful sweetness of being able to know people through the internet and how that can impact their real lives. Mm-hmm. It's the nicest sort of take I've seen on this stuff in quite some time. Yes, and if you're new to the show, here's a quick synopsis for you. Moiko Morioka is a 30-year-old single neat woman. After dropping out from reality, she's taken off in search of a f- for a fulfilling life and ended up in a net game, or netto gay. That's okay. That's okay. We will not speak of that show on the better show about MMOs. Thank you kindly. <laughs> it's ne- I'm not dropping a line. It's this a- isn't like an isekai sort of thing where, oh, no. we're trapped in the other world. No, this is a personification of MMO, so isekais are hereby not allowed, so we won't speak of that other show either. Nope. In the next no. gay world, she began her li- new life as a refreshing and handsome character named Hayashi. While starting out as a beginner, a pretty character named Lily reached out to help her. Meanwhile, in the real world, awaits a shocking encounter with a good-looking elite company employee, a mysterious blue-eyed blonde. Now, we will cover Funimation's press release from A to Z, giving out predictions for the show, discussing who was actually cast, and displaying our thoughts on the performance. Yes, but where do we start? Good sir. Good game master, Jamal. To kick things off, let's go over our thoughts on who our guild, who we thought our guild master and spellcaster to be. And by that I mean the ADR director and scriptwriter. Ah, well put, well put. Who would like to go first? Because I want to go last. Alright, mm. fair, fair. Uh, let me just scroll up my prediction list. Um... I didn't predict anybody for writer. I just assumed somebody who was good and competent. But um, for ADR, I had two in particular when I was thinking. I was thinking this is like, it's a show centers around games, but also with a focus on a more female-centric, like, otaku older woman character. And I thought it would have been particularly interesting to see people, uh, directors who are well-versed in comedies, but also those who are female themselves. So for that, in regards to ADR director, I predicted Afia Yu and Kristen McGuire. That's interesting, because I boy, I also had Kristen McGuire. Uh, were those your director predictions? Uh, that's uh, Those were the only two I had for this particular project. Okay, Anybody else want to go next? Um, I, I didn't really have any predictions um, since, you know, with ADR and director, it's so hard. You never know where they're going to be. Um, if I had to, if I were to make a prediction based on previous work, I would say Kristen McGuire. But uh, I, I don't know enough about ADR myself to really make predictions. That's understandable. How about you, Sneeps? Mm. Uh... I thought we'd be getting Jeremy Kratz for the ADR script and Clifford Chapin for some of the uh, direction stuff. Uh, Kratz, I think he did some work on, was My Hero Academia? Yeah. He did some uh, sort of natural sounding stuff that was really kind of got very subtle emotional stuff. And I thought that that would work perfectly with this. And Clifford Chapin, roll of the dice. I, uh... 
I rolled the random loot box, and a Chapin token came out. Uh, loot boxes. I, I, can, can I just say before we even talk about it, I hate how they draw attention to loot boxes and microtransactions in this show. That, that's maybe my one flaw, like problem with it because how is that a, a flaw? Because that's just a thing that's in games now. If anything, but it should not be. It should not be promoted because loot boxes is a system that I hate. I, a lot of people are talking about. They don't. They don't put it in a negative light. And yeah, it's it's something that exists. I just I don't like them drawing attention to it. And maybe that's because as a gamer, um, there's only been one loot box system I liked, and it was cosmetic, and that's Overwatch. And you, like, you don't pay for them. So, like, I mean, I think that's fine, but, I just, like... I, I think that sequence, more or less, is mostly for comedic reactions. And in general, I find it amusing because the kinds of re reactions they showed there was genuine for loot boxes. But that's not really the soapbox we should be on right now. Yes. To continue... Like the like some of you, I also had Kristen McGuire. I also had Cliff Chapin because I wanted someone who was not only knows how to handle the direction very well, but also someone who was experienced with dealing with gaming-based anime. But I also had another prediction that is Dave Trosco because I wanted to see him direct something sincere again since uh, All Out, and because when we were playing this, people were just typecasted the man. I was like, leave the man alone. He can direct good work. I know he can me. He does he, he does good work, but that's that well, that don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean I know people just typecast him since the last couple of seasons. I've been guilty of doing the same thing with the director of this show as well. And who's directed this show is of course Cliff Chapin. Good job yes, rolling twenties on that. Yes, his Lord and Savior Clifford fucking Chapin. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we may have mentioned that guy once or twice before. Uh, I'm not yes. sure if he sounds familiar to anybody else. Um, oh, wait, before we move on, did anybody else have scriptwriter predictions? No. Okay, because I had Matt Shipman and Dispute. One for a new game reunion, the others, because I love the script writing. But who's actually writing the script is Jessica Kavanaugh. Which is kind of a surprise to me a little bit. What have they done before? Well, in Cliff's case, he's directed other game-based anime such as Akiba's Trip, Defiant Gate, Keijo, both seasons of New Game, and Planetarian. That was where I got it from. Yeah, he yes. did do Planetarian. He's also mm -hmm. co-directing Konohana Kitan, which we're unfortunately not covering this season. It's the luck of the draw, but it's adorable, and I love it, so. Yes. Now, Jessica Kavanaugh, on the other hand, is pretty much brand new to script writing, but other scripts she's written for is Alderman on the Sky, Fuka, Gosik, Rampo Kitan, Game of Laplace, Episode 11 of Regalia, The Three Sacred Stars, and Sakura Quest. Alright. So, what are your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen? They're good people. They know what they're doing. And the performances that several of these characters give off are absolutely hysterical. Like, there's a couple of these... <laughs> Where it's like some of them, I knew they were good, but they especially have a lot of material to work with. 
in this show in particular, especially our leading lady and actors. Um, yes. Not to mention a couple of newer, like newer names, not necessarily that I haven't heard them before, but I've never gotten to hear them go quite to some of the levels that they did in this show. And there was definitely a lot of range on display, a lot of comedic timing. It was hilarious, but also genuine when it needed to be. Uh, script was funny. Script was as good. Uh, very close, but definitely a lot of funny alterations here and there, but worked for translation. I enjoyed both uh, ADR direction and script writing for MMO Junkie. Uh, any other hmm. thoughts? I agree in total. I found that they got a really good sense of how they, uh, again, comedic timing was mentioned, uh, really good casting, uh, people I wasn't necessarily expecting to find in the roles that they were just nailed them, but looking over the hidden to-be-revealed list of guesses, it's uh, really exciting to see some of these people taking on these roles. I'm impressed, yeah. Good job, guys. I was very impressed by this show. I I went into this, and I chose this show specifically um, along with King's Game, which is going to be recorded later, um, but I chose these two shows mostly because, um, you know, I'm a gamer, and I want, and I, I just saw MMO Junkie, and I'm like, you know what, I want to try out this show. I wasn't expecting uh, anything of them, because I, I basically avoided any information from any of these shows, so I could go in blind, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Um, not just with the show, but with the voice acting and directing, and I think it's extremely well cast, extremely well directed, um, I'm not going to really have anything negative to say about the voice acting because, for the most part, I think everything was perfect. Uh, I mean, there, there are going to be some things here and there, but this is probably the most positive I've been about a show. I think, in general, they did a fantastic job, and you're not going to really hear a bad word out of me today. Yeah, I find the script is very solid. It's very faithful to the Japanese. That's one of some of the casting too, believe it or not, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I can't really find any faults, even when I tried to look for it intentionally, but overall, I think they did a very solid job. And it was impressive, and I'm glad to see uh, Chapin is a guy... Like, I, I, I never know quite where I'm going to see him, but every time... I, I always get the impression this guy very much puts his all into these shows, even when he's working on, like, simulcast timing, which is always definitely very constrained. And this is another example of that. I'm very impressed, and I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, he's pretty much on his A game, so... Who? Cliff, he's pretty much on his A game. Oh, I thought you said Isaiah game. I'm like, who's that? I don't know, I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. We're playing Isaiah game right now, and the next raid boss is up ahead. You know what they say, no game, no life. No, if anything, no, you could, no, no. If anything, you could say this is his new game, plus. <laughs> I swear yes. to God, season two should have been called New Game Plus. That was such a missed opportunity. Let's continue. And yet they, <laughs> and yet they put the pluses in the exclamation marks, but that's another story. Yeah, so let's move on to, uh, to Avatars. You're introduced to them in the first couple episodes. We have Hearth, 
and we have Yuki, both avatars from Nata SG, uh, an old MMO game that our two leads used to play, though they never realized it until later on in the series. Well, if anything, it's like it's a game that Morioka herself uh, played with a friend of hers a while back, but has since been discontinued. Um, but yeah, I, I actually like the difference between. I like how they actually differentiate the two like MMO style characters. While um, it seems like they're more full-bodied in Fruits de Mer, but in Nanter they're much more uh, chibi-based, almost like Maple Story. And I thought that was kind of an interesting difference. Like you could have just had them have the same models, but they're they're different art styles, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah. There's a very big distinction in the artwork in this show between. Um, not just the MMOs, but the MMOs and the real world. And I love the way it's designed. I really do love the art direction in the show. It's pretty solid, yeah. I, I like the aesthetic of the show. Like, it it's got some moments even where it takes to some digital motion animation. And, like, the lighting is really good, too. But show looks great. I I love it. Anyways, uh, Hearth and Yuki. Yeah, what about so... This? Do we have any predictions for them? I'm going to be honest, I did not have any for either Hearth or Yuki. They didn't really, sh as far as when I was watching the show and making predictions, they didn't have enough screen time for me to really make any solid predictions or ideas. I'll be honest. I was... I'll be honest. Mm. I had no idea who these two were when I saw the press release. I'm like, Ditto. To, like some of the names I saw and I was like, who are these people? Yeah, I thought these might have been, like, final episode reveals, and then I re remembered, oh, wait. Well, it yeah, technically is a final episode reveal. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Likely. Yes. I had some predictions. Uh, again, I rolled those loot boxes. Uncle Sneebs is a gambling problem, guys. Uh, for Yuki, I thought... They might have nabbed Jamie Marshy, who was walking by. Just, here, get in the booth, Jamie. And likewise, Morgan Garrett, they just wrote him for Hearth and figured, you know what, you can try out a little bit of range. It's only a minor role. You can experiment in a boy voice. And there you go. I'm genuinely curious how many of the side characters in Simuldubs nowadays, it must be like they're walking to lunch or something. It's like, hey, get in the booth. We need you. You're this guy that's going to die and get shot. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't have any predictions for these two because they barely appear in the show, so, eh. So far. Yeah. Yes, so far. So far, yet, so close, yet so far. They've only dubbed up five. And I, five, in yeah. either case, Sneebs, you're unfortunately wrong. Hmm. Arth is voiced by Afia Yu, while Yuki is voiced by Felicia Anjo. Hmm. For other roles, Hearth is Rio from Assassination Classroom, Marina from Chain Chronicle, The Light of Assassinatus, The Black Ranger from Level E, Yowatanabe from Love Life Sunshine, Rita from Ranger Bahamut, Yusuke from the We Cross franchise, and Homie from Show by Rock. Other roles for Felicia, she's Yorame Mayanaka from Akiba's Trip, Manmi Okuda from Assassination Classroom, Aoi Asahina from the Danganronpa animes, Sayaka Miyada from Keijo, 
Toru Hagakure from My Hero Academia, and Shinoa Hiragi from Seraph of the End. Another one I want to bring up, just because I feel this one might be a subtle nod by the director, I'm just assuming, is they're also uh, the two uh, best friends that appear in like the final couple episodes of Alice and Zoroku. Uh, her, yeah. her one bestie who plays soccer and one who develops uh, a dream of Alice ability and has trouble with her parents, like they're best friends, and I thought... That was may or may not have been an intentional nod because both of those characters were played by Afia Yu and Felicia Angio. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to come up because I know if Noah was here, he would have brought that up immediately. Don't worry, I liked Alice too. That was a really good show. Episode 11 made me cry. Nothing like little mm. girls debating whether or not they deserve to exist that really hits you hard. Anyways, uh, in regards to Hearth and Yuki... Uh, they're adorable little children characters, even though at least one of them is played by someone in their mid-twenties, but granted, the characters are adorable, they sound adorable, I want them to be happy and healthy. Mm. I like yeah, Afia, they I like there. Felicia, they, they both sound really good. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they were there, they did what they needed to, they didn't get a chance to flex their range, but... They did a good job, and I hope to see what happens with the big reveals down the tubes. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, we'll find out a few weeks from now. Probably by the time this episode airs. Probably, probably. Anyways. Uh, yeah, they're pretty adorable. I mean, you can't really go wrong with those two, to be honest. They, they look like they have... They are the avatars that is life. They... They put on a face of joy and, like, everything is well, even though the real world is a harsh, cruel mistress. I think they did a good job. They didn't have a lot to work with, but, uh, you know, I, I've only seen five episodes. That cliffhanger, I need to see the new episode, God damn it! But, um, I, I really am enjoying, uh, you know, I enjoyed the performances for what they were. Hey. So, y'all ready to move on? Yep. I like All those right. two. They're adorable. Let's move on. Yes. We'll see them again. So, moving on, we have the members of the guild that our two main characters play with. We have Pokotaro, the big lovable oaf, Himeralda, uh, insert description here, uh, Hiberald is this very, like, effeminate elf character who's very playful, but always willing to lend an ear to all who will hear. Okay, good thing you said something, because I was afraid I was going to cross the line. And we Turquoise hair, right? Yes, and we have Lilac, the, <laughs> the little spunky girl who... The little does... kitty cat girl who is an adorable little troll, mm -hmm. and I love her. And yes, let's get this out of the way. Her name Wait is Lilac. That's yes. Wait a second. Is, is, is this lilac? You're in an anime now? Like not yeah. that lilac, but that, not that lilac. <laughs> okay, no. But this, this lilac this season, takes up. This season's especially been weird because there's a character named Lilac in Recovery of an MMO Junkie. In episode two of Garo Vanishing Line, there is a character who is named Hardy. Which is also funny that this is the same season, so if there's just a character in a show later down a road that's named Queen 
please feel free to tell us. We'll have all the OGs represented in fall anime. Um, and if you wish to have a Zenith in there at some point, you know, I mean, there, there is one Stop anime. Stop showing yourself w- out, girl. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, You'll be killed off in the first uh, episode. Anyway, <laughs> Lilac is Spunky Cat Girl, bit of a troll, has a big mouth on her, and this Lilac could learn from our Lilac on manners and on talking. Mm-hmm. So, do we have any predictions for these three? Uh, I have predictions for these three. Um, for Pokotaro, I figured somebody with a big, huggable, but very, like, manly, manly voice. So, I was thinking either, uh, Chris George or Tyson Reinhardt could easily fill the part. Uh, Himeralda, I was thinking, uh, cause this is a, the avatar for this character seems to be male in or masculine in that regards but it is a very like soft effeminate voice as well so i was thinking in regards to uh male voice actors who could pull off a much more like softer effeminate voice for this kind of character i was thinking either micah solusad or damon mills could pull the part as for uh lilac somebody high-pitched squeaky and adorkable which I went with Sarah Wiedenhef and Jill Harris. Uh, I think you must be a mind reader because for Poco Tavo, I had the same exact thought and the same exact predictions you did. Great mind, think also... aligned. Yeah, but I also had Jeremy Inman in addition. I could see that. As for Human Wilder, I wanted somebody who's also effeminate and or soft-spoken, so I had Matt Shipman. And Dave Trosco. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I'd be interested to hear that, but definitely not my first choice. Yeah, and as for Lilac, you know, some, someone spunky, someone a little high-pitched. So I had Megan Shipman because part of Lilac kind of reminds me of Alba from New Game. I could see it. The hair, too. Hmm. I also had Marissa Lenti and Jade Saxton. Jade Saxton because, you know, pretty much the last two I had because of gamers and Jade Saxton likes cats. I think Marissa does too. Okay, so let's, let's be real. What what voice actor at Funimation at this point doesn't like cats? Every time I, I go on their timelines, it's pictures of their cats. Here's my bundle of cats. I picked up this cat. I'm playing with this cat. It's adorable. Every one of them likes cats, which, to be fair, cats are great, but by God, it's like every time you look, it's like, oh my God, is there cats? Yeah, I'm a dog person. So. I love dogs, too. I... Animals are pure and enjoyable, and they are too good for us. My Just cat like is Lilac. great, except for the fact that she keeps knocking over my cups. I still love the fact that you named it Chiaki. Mad respect. Yes, yes, my <laughs> cat is named Chiaki Nanami. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Steve, <laughs> did you have a prediction? Yeah, I did. I uh, thought John Swayze might have been able to fit in for Pocatara. Seemed like a good fit. Uh, I also went with Damon Mills for Himeralda. And uh, I've been missing a little Lucy Christian in my life, so I thought Lucy Christian might be a quick stand-in for uh, Lilac for episode four, I think? 
Lilac's in a couple episodes at the, this point, uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, she, her, I remember her mostly from about episode Her four. main episode where she gets a lot of screen time, as well as her IRL screen time, too, uh, was episode yeah. four. Yeah, so... And Zenith has no predictions, right? Zenith watched this it, for the first time in the dub. Yeah, I, I don't have predictions for anything because I watched this for the first time in the dub. To, uh, so I, I unfortunately did not have any predictions for this particular episode. And don't for, worry, we, yeah. we got you covered, girl. Don't sweat it. Yeah, yeah so Pocotaro is voiced by Ben Phillips. Humeralda is voiced by Brandon McInnes. And Lilac is voiced by a relative newcomer. No, not the Lilac you know. It's Rachel Michelle Thompson. Is it Rachel or Rochelle? Rachel. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yes, for other roles, Ben Phillips, he doesn't have a lot of big name roles. He's Freed Selzen from High School DxD, Shigure Nino Minya from Macago School Suite, and Diane Woodwonder from Overlord. He's usually either in the background or just doing subtitles. Brandon McGinnis, on the other hand, he's Sonosuke Izuyoi from Danganronpa 3, Alan Lanier from Joker Game, Saman Goku from Nambaka, Hideyori to Toyotomi from Samurai Warriors, Keita Amino from Gamers, and Selen from Show by Rock. Now, Rachel, on the other hand, is a different story because she only has only a handful of roles, including Satomi Shiomi from Keijo. Aoi from Hina Logic, Anastasia from Gosik, and a couple of minor roles in Urahara and the Ancient Magus Bride. So, what are your thoughts? Um, I think these are like all voice actors like I've heard in passing but aren't too familiar with yet. And I think all of them were fantastic. Um,. Pokotaro, we hear the least from him, but he sounds exactly like the kind of holly jolly friends in need that I would want from a character like this. So I think Ben does a great job getting that across. Himeralda, uh, Brandon does a fantastic job getting across exactly what this character is, which is basically this sassy, sassy person who's very, like, effeminate and charming, but also is there for her, her friends, but also a bit of a geek. Also, I can mention something since we are at episode four. Interesting little tidbit. Uh, Pocataro and Himeralda are, in fact, married in the real world. Uh, yep. And which, on my rewatch, was really interesting because in episode one, uh, they're sitting at a bar, and he's basically like, I'm basically just at my office playing a game right now, to which Himeralda replies maybe there's somebody at home waiting for you you know which that adds a lot of interesting context to that though it that reminds me uh ben does get to actually impersonate uh Himeralda with it for like a minute or two and i thought that was very good as well i think brandon really gets across this kind of sassy spunky but also huge like ro romantic in Himeralda. like the whole scene where they're fantasizing about his relationship issue, where they're fantasizing about Hayashi's relationship issues, and they're imagining these fantastical, like, shoujo, maybe even doujin, like, outcomes of, like, 
the younger man and the older woman, and it's like, oh man, just imagine the places you could go. And it's really funny. Uh, I love the delivery uh, Brandon has for uh, Himeralda. As for Lilac, I have not heard Rachel a lot, but she's fantastic. God, mm -hmm. she's like equally could rival like Sarah Wiedenhef in regards to that spastic, spunky, high-pitched, adorable little troll, and she plays the part perfectly. Or should I say perfectly, because kitty cat. She's a kitty, and she's also got elf ears. That's a little extra, but it is an MMO. What do you expect? Um, there, uh, she's fantastic, and I was really impressed by her, most of all. I really want to hear her in more things, and I think uh, her performance as Lilac was definitely a good gateway to lead to some more opportunities. I loved all three of them. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you because um, I don't really know these voice actors too, too well, um, but I was surprised how well they fit. Um, Pokitaru, like... Uh, I, I'm glad that they didn't go with a very, very deep or whatever voice, uh, for his character, because his character is a little bit, um, on the larger side, um, but they, they made him sound homey, and they made him sound, like, fun, and so I, I really like that he was just kind of the guy you could talk to with your problems, and I like that, um, I like that Himeralda, uh, is very effeminate, and he, he, he's playing up that role, and he's loving every second, and I think uh, this is one of uh, the better roles in the show, where he's just, he's kind of trolling a lot of them, and having the, the, the time of his life voicing this, and I I really did enjoy that character. Uh, Lilac, um, this could have easily been an annoying uh, Genki character, or a character that was ditzy or whatever, but um, I really enjoyed her, both IRL and, and in-game I enjoyed what they did with it. Um, I think the best way I described the show, it's it's gamers done right because um, they have a lot of these relationships intertwining with the real world, but there's a lot of really interesting real world aspects to it. And seeing how they interact with each other, their relationships is really brought out from these voice actors. And I think Lilac the most um you know she's uh she's a, a a girl a very young girl who's just enjoys playing online and she's very very girly but not not overtly to the sense where it becomes annoying and i like that um her crush on one of the other characters is subtle and um in not really too much the main focus of the episode but like they they do a lot of good stuff with her um, and I think she did uh, a good job with the voice acting. I also like, in general, how, like, she's very spastic and crazy and kooky, but she also does get, like, serious and real when she needs to. Also, a little FYI, uh, uh, her IRL persona is played by Alexis Tipton. Well, I was going to mention that in passing, but thank you very much. No problem. Alright, so, yeah, I mean, these three did a pretty good job, I mean... Not one of them seemed out of place or anything, and I, yeah, it's like they could easily like like typecast them, like you said, Zenith. Like Lilac could have been annoying, but I think she was she displayed the right amount of spunk for this character. Although even though she was a little bit nosy at times, uh, Ben, 
he manages to play up the big guy aspect without having to deal with that big guy voice, you know? Like, because that could have rubbed some people the wrong way. Kind of like a, a kiss him, not me kind of situation, if you think about well, it. Well, that was in the sub and not the dub, but I see what you're getting at. Yes. And as for Himalaya, <laughs> yeah, I, I see what they were going for with Brandon. It worked very well to the best of their advantage. And I, it's kind of like listening to him, li listening to him from gamers all over again, except, you know, in, the, in a proper show with a proper storyline and not spazzing out every five minutes. What, what are you talking about? That entire sequence in episode two was just Brandon, like, losing his shit and spazzing the fuck out. Like, that's exactly what he's doing. What do you mean he's not spazzing out? That's exactly what he's doing. Well, if he is, he's not doing spazzing out that much. Okay, he's not, he's not screaming. I liked him a lot better here, to be honest. Like, Gamers had its moments where, you know, he was well-voiced in that, but... To be honest, episode two is kind of the peak of that show, and uh, it's a different show and a different beast completely. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I liked all three of them. Also, little thing I'll say right now, they are not the most developed people or the most developed nah. characters. Like they don't, they're not as interesting as our leads, but. But I completely believe that all of them can and are real people that would exist in an MMORPG. Yeah, which is why I'm surprised you brought up that whole thing that uh, two of the two of them were husband and wife. I, I thought that was a manga spoiler. No, that's not a. That's in the episode. They reveal it in episode four because he's playing her. No, that's fascinating to me. I love that dynamic actually, yes. and actually, it kind of they kind of foreshadow it in the OP as well when the two of them are hanging out. And, like, Himeralda, like, egg attacks uh, Poketar from behind and sort of, like, they look at each other. They also both have, like, the closed Brock eyes as well, which I thought was kind of clever. It's, 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 it's there. And it's yeah. adorable. I love that it's just, it's just a thing about them. It's not all they are. and They're not, like, over each other. Like, oh, my God, I love my hubby. I love my wife. It's like, no, they're just players in the game. They hang out, and they are just also married. And it's just... And I like... I, I do like that they switch characters and you can tell who, who they are because they have distinct enough personalities. Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, which is why I had a slight little nitpick with the ending, but that's another story. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Because we ain't get to you, buddy. <laughs> I'm learning the power of self-restraint to contain my addictive tendencies. Uh... They all fit really well. I had no complaints. Minor characters, but they landed well. I'm impressed, guys. All of you. Good job. So, long story short, minor characters, major impact. So, <laughs> let's move on to uh, another pair of characters. One is in real life, and the other is an avatar. I'm talking about Kazumi, Kazuomi Fujimoto. And his avatar, Kanbei. Let's be honest, they have the same hair. Were you actually that surprised? Yeah. Hey, I picked up on that from the moment they showed him in the store. Because they didn't focus on him before, but when they showed him in the store. And, you know, I'm just like, that's gotta be Kanbei. And it was. Good call. Yeah. Kuma shock. Anyways, uh, what about yeah, that? Yeah, that was some foreshadowing before episode 
4 or 5 came out. But yeah, Kazomi is uh, pretty much a convenience store worker. But, but that's pretty much what he does during the day. When he's at night, he's Kanbei, the guild master. So, let me... Oh, sorry. Where are you going? Continue. No, you continue, because... Okay, I, I'm going to say, uh, this character... This is a show that focuses more on adults or older people in the office and workforce, which is actually a really interesting angle, and I'm glad they explore that. But uh, Kanbei himself is a much more, like, college-age, high school-era kid. And this character I completely relate relates to. Not just because he is, like, he's working part-time and doing cashier stuff, but because he is revealed to be the secret mediator between everyone's personal bullshit. He is the mm -hmm. one that not only learns about uh, Morioka as Hayashi, but is also aware that Lily is played by a guy. So when he's trying to help them out, they are whispering to him, asking him for advice, and he's just like, just, just be honest. Just say what you think they want to hear. I don't care. No, actually, it's not that he doesn't care. He cares so much, but he is the mediator between everybody, and he is the one that... He's a dork, but he also cares a lot, and he really, really wants to help everybody out and, like, keep things together. And I relate a lot to that, because I've been in a lot of situations where I am the one try like, hearing people's drama or hear, taking one-on-one -on -one conversations and trying to help piece things together and that's exactly what he does in episode five and i thought that was a hilarious scene but it was also something that genuine and i resonated with really made me appreciate this character a lot more mm -hmm. well said i was gonna say i was going to say yeah they did a uh, uh i thought robert mccallum for uh fujimoto there and then rico fajardo as kanbei Inter interesting choice for uh, Fu Fujimoto. Definitely a little older th er, than I think, but I see where you're getting at. Mm -hmm. No, because he can still get in that voice range. You wouldn't think of it right away, but again, I I had the suspicion about this project that this would be something some actors would be flexing on a little bit and just feeling out, also, uh, seeing if they can test their range. I'll say this, though. That is pretty interesting. You mentioned Robert McCollum, since that's actually one of my picks for Kanbei, uh, my other pick uh, being uh, Clifford Chapin, because I was going I... for something much more like gruff and aggressive, and when I picked Cliff, I was also thinking back to, uh, I was going to say Grimgar, but there, no, no, uh, just Cliff. Cliff is a very aggressive, aggressive, tough guy when he wants to be, and I think he could have pulled Kanbei off. Yeah, it's funny. I also thought Cliff, because I figured, A, he would be somewhere in the show. Which he is, but only in episode one. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's the guy where it's, like, at the starting A area where he's just, like, where uh, Hayashi keeps fucking up. And he's just, like, rest in peace. Yes. That, and I also thought back to Gamers, because it was more or less the same thing, except in, that, in Gamers' case, he was just being a troll. A huge troll, whereas Kanbei is only a little bit of a troll, but a lot more caring. And I also had uh, Tatum, because I figured, you know... Like Sneep said, you know, it's, it gives them an opportunity Wait, to... Wait, Tatum as Kanbei or Tatum as Fujimoto? 
Kanbei because I made no predictions for Fujimoto because I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, also kind of similar situation, though it totally makes sense in hindsight. Okay. Okay. And, of course, you're good, Zenith. So, that being said, Kazuomi is voiced by Anthony Bowling. And his avatar, Kanbei, is voiced by Rico Fajardo. And other roles for these two, Anthony Bowling is Takashi Shinjo in Chaos Child. He's Alcio in The Devil's a Part-Timer. Oito is in Is This a Zombie? Manabu Demon Sakura from Ping Pong. And White Peak from Shimaneda. Rico Fajardo is also Haruto from 18F. Itona from Assassination Classroom, Yuri from Chain Chronicle, Kiyosuke Munakada from Danganronpa 3, Dayun from The Heroic Legend of Arslan, Takaru from Prince of Stride, Kai from Shobai Rock, and I gotta say this every time I talk about him. He's Happy Fucking New Year, Mitsuru Hito Koe from Nambaka. Your favorite <laughs> character from that show, and honestly, I, mean, I don't blame you. Yeah, he's great in Nambaka. I mean, it's almost Happy Fucking New Year now, so... Hey! Yes! <laughs> it's a month. So, let's hear your opinions. Um, um okay, uh, you, wanna, you wanna take this, then? Yeah, yeah, I can take this. Um, I have mine. I, w I really liked, um, I, I think what I really liked about this was they, they managed to make, um, both of these characters distinct, but at the same time, um, they have, uh, they, they managed to make them similar with their voices, and, um, I mean, one is a cashier at a convenience store, and one is a guild master, and they have very different roles, but at the same time, um, when they, you know, they have scenes where they're both speaking, they show them in character and they show them in real life, and they they definitely still feel like the same person, even though they have slightly different voices, and I think a lot of that is due to their cadence. Um, I do have to give props for that, um, but honestly, I, I like both of these voices. Uh, I especially like Kanbei, because Kanbei has this sort of... Um, uh, commanding presence to him, and it, that's all really done through the voice alone. Um, I, I especially love when Kanbei's just trolling, uh, tr trolling, uh, uh, uh Mori. Yeah, no, trolling Mori. Oh, like Mori, okay. Where he's like, what's up, dude? Yes, when he first <laughs> yeah, comes yeah. in, and, like, they're, st they're sitting in the bush, and he's like, what's up, dude? And I'm like, you know, like, he th he has such a fun time, but at the same time, he's so respectful of everyone. I love the character, but I think the voice really brings it out. Um, see, and, uh, see, that's not even, in, like, my favorite moment with Kanbei, like, being a troll, where it's like, it's when he's talking to Lily, and, it, and it's just like, oh, it's like, you gotta try and... You gotta play up your girly persona a little more. Maybe they'll all get annoyed. It's like, oh, I love pink and frills and little baby squirrels. It's like, oh my god, that's fucking amazing. It, it's so great, so and I, I I love when he's asking her like, oh, what, Lily, what would you wear on a date? What would <laughs> you want to so... see a woman wearing? <laughs> like, try it's to... just it. Yeah, sorry. It's yeah. Uh, it, so it's just so it's it's so fun um, when he's playing a, up this, but also um, in in real life, I think it does a great job of showing the human side of that character, and that's also brought up 
with Anthony Bowling. I think he does a great job of bringing the humanity and the mediator of this character. And um, it, it's such an interesting take on both aspects. So uh, both of them did a fantastic job. All right. Uh, I have more to say on Rico, but I think Anthony Bowling does a solid job as playing this sort of tired uh, cashier employee man, but he also getting really passionate, excited when he has a genuine connection to Morioka uh, when she's buying the points and it's like they want to interact with her. And he's also a bit protective when he sees some guy just looking for his like, is, is this is this supposed to be happening or is this just is he just hitting on her aggressively? But he's he's a good pal to both of them, and I really like that about Fujimoto as a character. And Kanbei, Kanbei, of course, sounds like a masculine badass, but also very genuine and concerning for his friends. And also a bit of a, a bit of a guy that'll fuck with you. And it's just, I love, I adore that scene, like, where he's just like, oh, I love pink and frills and little baby squirrels. And like, that caught me off guard. I'm like, oh my god, that's hilarious. Like, he went there, but... Rico does a fantastic job. He's he's got so much snark. He like this character is a delight. Both Kanbei and Fujimoto, I enjoy the both of them. Yeah, it's like it's two different sides of the same coin. Cause you got Kazuomi, who I will admit, of course, we all know Anthony Bourne has a bit of a nerdy voice, but he it can be easily restrained at times as proof in here, but. When he cares, he really does show it. And then when you see him in as Kanbei, which is Rico Fajardo, it's like it's a it's like literally night and day. Like, because mm -hmm. Kanbei is pretty much of a troll, even when he is caring. Sometimes you know. I mean, if, sometimes if we're speaking in terms of fantasy, that that is like a fantasy in and of itself. That you are just a sort of beat down worker, and you want to be this this commanding badass and that's exactly what you get from both his real life persona and from his avatar persona and i think both voices match exactly like what you want those kinds of characters to sound like and i think it's solid casting and and performances on both parts yeah it's kind of refreshing to hear rico as that kind of character because you know mostly he gets typecast for like a lot of emo characters and stuff Although I do like the spunky characters every once in a while, we just proven about what two minutes ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but overall, they did a very good job. All right, Steve, what is your opinion? I really enjoyed it. I thought that the uh, both guys cast in that role um, played off the two sides of the same coin. Uh, you had Kazumi as the yeah, the guy who's doing work a day, but tries to be a decent person, tries to do his job. I like the uh, little touch in the writing of the show about he's uh, thinking of a job, and that thinking of booming up in the career kind of left a nice little dramatic tension. And they fill that moment with just a nice uh, touch of realism and pathos, for want of a better word, that really ticked. Uh, as for... Uh, as for uh, Kanbei, what can I say? He's the staunch leader guy who then completely and utterly uh, goofs around the moment he, the moment he gets half the chance. 
winding up Ms. Mori was just a delight. And, uh, yeah, I... I would say that was just hilarious. Kind of related. Um, like, the, not only just, like, the performance, but you kind of see that Kanbei isn't as serious as, like, his demeanor would let on because you get that dramatic moment of, no, don't disband the killed. Like, oh, he cares for his friends. It's like, yeah. no, it'd be such a waste. This is a high-level kill. Think how much That's... time is wasted. That's what my point was trying to come up because, you know, he does look caring even if you want something in return, you know? Another another little funny sight gag is when they're all trying out the uh, the little gay, like, gifts and cosmetics they get from the loot boxes and one of them is a weird vest. I like how he, like, just because it's funny, they're like, hey, they decided let's have Kanbei try this on. And when he tries it on, it's just a complete and total, like, censor thing and it's like that's not making me think the show thinks he's censored it's like no the game in general just censored the vest for being too lewd and i think that was hilarious how he was just sort of posing there just like not even like being like eh whatever like not like disgusted he was just like ah i might as well do this today and that's that's what you do in an mmo you just mess around you trade stuff you try stuff on and you you are with your pals and i really got that sense of camaraderie and friendship from Kanbei, and especially from, uh, his last name is Fujimoto, right? Yes. Okay, from, uh, from him, yeah. I think, uh, both of them did a great job. Alright then, so we're good to move on then. Uh, we are good mm -hmm. to move on. Oh my god, are we about to talk about the best character in the show? I think we are. That's questionable. Yes, we're talking about Homare Koiwa. Koiwa is the best! The Joker best friend of our male lead. Uh, <laughs> I love... Koiwa is such a shit. I love him. Yes, yeah. he is. Yes, he is. Okay, so it's specifically not only that he's his best friend, he's also, like, his superior in the office space as well he's a couple years yeah. older on him he's basically a straight up uh sakurai's senpai and koiwai is simultaneously like the asshole best friend but also a bit of a doting mother as well it's kind of amazing and he teases he teases him so much about it too calls him print calls him princess being like don't worry i got you but He's also genuinely looking out for Sakurai. And I think that's fascinating. Um, yes. I, I'll talk more about his character when we discuss when we discuss uh, the actor and my thoughts. But I, I was actually genuinely surprised by this character and how much I liked him. Yeah, it's funny you say Dota Mother because I really only see more of an asshole best friends. Especially with certain aspects of the show. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying he isn't an asshole best friend. He totally is. But here's the thing. Anybody who says that he doesn't care for Sakurai and is only just trying to get with Morioka, they are straight up wrong. They are actually wrong. Like, he... He... He probably is attracted and interested in Moriko, Morioka, 
But, here's the thing. He also is kind of trying to help him out with that, too. Being like, look, I think she's great. I think she's attractive. If I, if you're not gonna, I will. And he's not basically, he's not trying to sabotage that relationship. He's straight up saying, I, look, I would not object to being in a relationship with her. Uh, we had a connection before. I, I genuinely think she's attractive. But I'm looking out for you right now. What are you going to do? The ball's in your court. And that's what I think his character comes down to. And I think that's really interesting. But he's also goddamn hilarious. Oh god, I've got going on so much about this character. We should we should get yeah. on to predictions. Kind of funny you said balls in the court, considering what happens later on. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, when he gets into the game. Oh. oh. Okay, so let us. Make some predictions. Let's see. Who do I have for... Oh, okay. Uh, can I go first? Yes. Uh, in regards to predictions for this character, I figured somebody that was very... Who sounded a little older, but was definitely very eccentric and definitely really good with playing comedic characters while also sounding a little older and more masculine. So with that, I picked... Ian Sinclair and J. Michael Tatum to play Koi Wai. <laughs> Those uh, were my picks too. 100%. Wait, did you also I, have uh, Sinclair and Tatum? Yeah, I was just jostling over the pair of them. I thought I could see either of them working, and I couldn't narrow it down to my one that's, pick. That's and, that's uh, funny. That's funny. That's good stuff. Alright, Jamal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I kinda was too focused on the little trolling aspect of him, and I kinda went with Cliff, Alejandro Saab, and uh, Jeff Johnson because of Dragon Maid. No, okay, I can totally see those characters working. I was just thinking in general. As, as those characters would work, I think they were trying to go for him as being an as like an older figure which is why i made the picks that i did though i could totally see all of those working too yeah though the real test is gonna be when they get to episode eight <laughs> not really it's kind of the same kanbei voice it, it, but regardless it, it is the same common voice because oh boy it, it's it's but... it's it, it's a he's a character he's a character but yeah who is uh, who is the good employee able to task? Good. Who? Okay. Who has been right. assigned the work project that is Homare Ko Koiwai? Uh, Gigi, if you're listening to this, brace yourselves in three, two, one. It's Ian Sinclair. Ian Sinclair. <laughs> what has Ian Sinclair done? What hasn't he done? Yes, uh, Ian Sinclair, if you don't know, if you don't know who he is, what is wrong with you? You probably he know is. who he is. Just, let's hear it out. Yes, he's Renekaido and Bento, he's Sap in Blood Blockade Battlefront, he's Juzo Sakakura in Dragon Rampa 3, Hajime Sugoroku in Nambaka, Favreau Leone in Rage of Bahamut, 
Dandy's base at Dandy, and Savid and Tales of Sisteria. So, okay. I'm going first, straight up. I, 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 Kawhi is amazing as a character, because he's, he is genuinely chewing the scenery every time, but Ian Sinclair, straight up, God fucking damn it, Ian Sinclair is so goddamn perfect as Koi Wai. Um, I'm going to make a bold statement here. This is the funniest I've heard Ian Sinclair since Space Dandy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm standing by that. Like, it's a different kind of humor, and he's going much more, like, high-pitched, like, wink-wink, nudge-nudge. But goddamn, his delivery and his performance is so spectacular. Every time he's like playing with like the chopstick or calling him princess, being like, "Oh, I do say so, it's a good son." It's like you hear Sinclair do the voice, and he's so—it's perfect. It's perfect, and I—I I genuinely stand by it. Like he—he he is a character that isn't just trying to. He is. He is the third angle in the triangle, sure. But, he, I don't see this character as trying to do this with malice or trying to be like, oh, I'll get me some of that neat puss. I'm like, no, no, he is straight up, He's he cares for Morioka. Like, he had a connection with her when they were on the phone and it was very personal. And he was sincere and kind to her as well. And she was, she, she also felt that, like, the, the chemistry she has with Koiwai is different than that of Sakurai. And it's interesting to see them interact together. Mm. But he cares about her. He cares about Sakurai. And he cares about the both of them. And honestly, he is like a best friend and he probably is interested in with her. But he is the goddamn best wingman too. As we will talk about at a later date. Goddamn. I, Ian Sinclair, he is hamming it up. It's spectacular. I love it. I love Koi Wai. God damn it. It's great. God bless America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, easy clear is perfect. Uh, I <laughs> I'm just I'm still kinda thinking ahead because for those of you that have seen the sub or if you have not read the disclaimer, uh yeah, Alright, I'm let's, shutting let's, off my ears right let's now. Let's not talk about it since Zenith's only seen the first five. Let's go with that. Ah, uh, damn it. I mean, you can say it. I'll just take off my headphones. Regardless, it's okay. The, it, yeah, whatever. Um, your call. Uh, I'll just post it on screen because this episode might be coming down in a few weeks. It, we'll, uh, he should, she should be caught up by then. Okay. Enjoy. But trust me, it's an interesting development. No, it's, or an interesting it's, it's hilarious. It's an interesting set of developments, let's just say that. Uh, mm. But speaking of Ian Sinclair, yes, you're right. He is perfect in this role. Like, absolutely perfect in this role. And it's great. Like, I love when he's trolling, uh, when, when he's trolling the guy. I love how he uh, interacts with Mori Mori and... You know, it, it, you definitely see the the genuine nature of his character. He definitely feels like he cares, but at the same time, he has fun, and he's a very laid back person. He's very zen. He's very much zen, like me. Yeah. So, 
You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> know what I mean? Know what I mean? <laughs> I know you don't, but... Anyway, any other thoughts? So we good to move on. Wait, I don't... Steve? I'm oh, good. wait, okay. Uh, no, I've, I have nothing more to add other than it was a pitch-perfect role. He nailed it. Some of those later developments that you're talking about, I'm looking forward to them because, oh, that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, nothing but good. W- good job, Mr. Sinclair. I salute. Hmm. Well, we uh, in will closing, see. in closing, <laughs> Koi is best boy. Fuck you, fight me! Alright, I spam the salute emote as we move on to the next objective on our raid. Alrighty. Yes. And of course, no raid is complete without a healer. And someone behind the healing process, uh, we have Yuta Sakurai and his avatar, Lily. Oh my god, I can't believe he's Lily, said literally nobody who watched the show. <laughs> I figured that out within the first time he appeared on screen because they kept cutting to him and they kept cutting to her. But they they do a good job of at least they do a making good job it trying to hide subtle. it a little bit. I'll give them yeah. credit. They They're do subtle. a good job, but it, it it's straight up in the poster. It's straight up in the poster. Yeah. And that's the, by design though. It's not trying to be. Ooh, what's the big surprise? This is clearly forecast. The fun of the show is not the big shock of what who this person is. The shock is watching these characters work it out and go through the warm, fuzzy feeling of people who we know are going to end up together and feel comfy and safety knowing Oh, yeah, no. I t- sort of discover this I fact. T- I totally it's, see that, yeah. It's the the I... appeal of this show to me is the humanity of these characters interacting with real-life human emotions and problems, and that's what separates it from something like Gamers for me. It is a comedy of errors at times, but it's humane dealings with these problems that really elevates it. It's also the difference between uh, dumb hormonal high school kids and actual real-world adult people. It's definitely yes. a refreshing yeah, so take on let's, that. Let's, let's save that for final thoughts to talk a little more about these characters. All right, right, right. Yuta, yes, Yuta Sakurai is a 28-year-old office worker, currently soon-to-be department head of his office where Morioka used to work. Was a well, I'll save that spoiler for another time. But pretty much, he started playing MMOs and got into so much that he started playing online as a female named Lily, who is uh, okay. So, of the he's yeah, a he- Lily's of the healer class, probably the most adorable character ever created. Oh, Lily is a precious. Cinnabon, and I, I, I love her. And frankly, I love Sakurai too. Like, he's adorable yes. too. So fucking, like, he, he just, I see what they try to go at the show is trying to make him look like the young upstart, like, uh, employee, office worker guy, but also trying to make him very attractive and pretty. And you know what? He is also very attractive and pretty. Fucking. So, uh. As for predictions, yeah. um, yes, let's get right into predictions. Uh, for uh, sock, uh, for Lily, I had uh, three. I had in my mind 
Jade Saxton, Tia Ballard, and Felicia Anjou. I wanted somebody who was definitely very good at a lot of comedic timing, but also sounded adorable and was really good at playing like this very interesting fe feminine character, but also really good at working like comedic timing and making like goofy moments with hanging out with her friends and also realizing oh god i haven't slept it's 5 a.m very relatable scene by the way um yeah as for uh sakurai i had in my mind somebody who was like sounded a little younger but also could probably like play the part of a like caring, goofy, but also very like stern and insensitive office boy, and I had in my mind uh, Josh Greeley and Eric Vale. Interesting. For for me, for Utah, I kind of had someone who could easily do soft spoken but still sound adult. I had Jerry Jewell, Austin Tindall, and Steven Sanders. Though Steven Sanders may be a little bit of a stretch, but I want to see. All three of them flex the range a little bit. Yeah. As for Lily, I wanted to see someone who's a, who's easily a cinnamon roll, but can elevate that to adults, a little bit of an adult status. So I had Bryn, I had Alexis Tipton, and I had Laura Woodhull. Okay. Snaves. For the role of Hayashi, or sorry, of Hayashi. We're not, we're oh, not there Lily. yet. Sorry, my wires are being crossed. Uh, in the role of Lily, I thought we'd get Rachel Thompson in that role. It seemed like she could fit uh, on the upper end of that. If she boosted herself a little bit, she could get the high sweetness range and pull off the cuteness. And as for Yuta, I thought Michael J. Tatum. All right. I can see it. I can totally see it as well. A little bit less high energy, so we're not doing Isaac and Miria anytime soon. But he can play the older man while also having a look, look, uh, a touch of T Tatum nice. plays very attractive men with glasses often. I see where you would make that assumption. Yeah, he but, sounds like it. But as for who we actually have for Yuta Sakurai, we have Josh Greeley, and for Lily, we have Natalie Hoover. Other roles you've heard Josh Greeley in, he's Armin Arlott in Attack on Titan, Femp from Blood Blockade Battlefront, Byakuya Togami from Danganronpa and Danganronpa 3, Shido Itsuka from Data Life, Yamada from Ping Pong, Ace for Puzzles and Dragons, and Yuri Katsuki from Yuri on Ice. Nanny Hoover on the other hand, and this is interesting, tell me what these roles have in common. Aisa Ahokainen from the Kiba Strip, Sonya Nevermind from the Danganronpa franchise, as well as, what is it, Mon Monophony from Danganronpa V3? Mon Monophony from Danganronpa That's V3. That's what I recognize yep. the voice Yep, I, I, I wanted to hear uh, Zenith's reaction. Uh, yep. I'm like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's Sonya Nevermind. No wonder I recognize it. <laughs> yeah, she's also Lily from Handshakers, Fumiko from Love Life. Anya Helsing from Rio Rainbow Gate, Tsukino from Show by Rock, and Aang Felice from Tales of Sister. You gave me a lot of roles. I'm guessing they all sound adorable and they're all like princessy. Well, yeah, probably, but most of them were kind of video game related. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were blonde, which honestly, I, I could <laughs> see that working considering Moi Moi and Sonya. Um, but 
Okay, so who who would like to go first with these two characters? I guess I'll go first. Josh Greeley. It's Josh Greeley. He can do no wrong. He's pretty good this role. I didn't really expect him to be Utah, but hey, you can't go wrong with Josh Greeley, you know? Natalie mm-hmm. Hoover, on the other hand, it was very adorable. I mean, I liked it so much that if you listen to the Japanese sub, it's almost 1-1, almost as equally breathy, but she displays more sincerity than in the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I see what you're getting at. I was just inter- interesting statement. I'll say this. Uh, I learned she's really good at Japanese, too, by the way. That was, yeah. that was a fun little thing I got from... Uh, one of uh, Caitlyn's uh, vanishing line, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, pin? What's it called? Well, piss. One of her videos in regards to behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff for Vanishing Line, where she got a bunch of different actors who could speak other languages to do a thing, and I heard Natalie Hoover's uh, Japanese, and straight up, it made me think, holy shit, she really is Sonya. Never mind in real life. That's freaky. Uh, and it's funny because I remember on her Twitter one time she talked about being her own seiyu at some point because she actually does speak Japanese. Well, that's funny <laughs> to me. But anyways, uh, uh, do you have anything more to add? Because I'd like to go next. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I look at Sakurai and I just, I just, he just looked like somebody that Josh would play. Very sincere and kind, but also a little like dorky but very, like, handsome and cute as well. And I think he captures all of that when it comes to, uh, when it comes to Sakurai. Hang on, let me find my note. Uh, okay. Uh, he's, uh, his reactions are totally genuine. Uh, I think Josh is spot on. He gets the chance to prove to me once again why he's one of my favorites at Funimation. And this is a good role where he really gets to show his stuff. Uh, he's a lovable dork, and he's got some fantastic reaction lines, but he also is kind of cool and kind of badass when he wants to be, but he's very sincere and genuine, and I think Josh is a perfect fit for the character Sakura, and I think I th- he's just so good. I-, I-, I love him. Natalie Hoover as Lily. This was an interesting choice, but I'm very pleasantly surprised by her as well. She She's like I, I I keep thinking back to Sonia, but it's straight up Sonia going full on Moe Princess role for this, and it's great. She's like very cutesy and supportive, of course, but she also is very dorky and comedic, and I love I love the exchange between her when she's like, "Oh God, I have no confidence that I can get any sleep and wake up on time. I just have to stay up and just." get up and it's like that's such a real feeling it's like no uh, if i get, if i go to bed now i just won't wake up it's she, she gets a lot of comedic moments as lily but she also gets a lot of very sincere genuine reactions as lily um she's precious she's adorable she, that is a smile to be protective and i love that that she that they are both canonically a goddamn uh gotcha whale like i i I find that hilarious like whether or not that's represented Mm -hmm. 
as you'd like, Zen. I, it's just, it, that is a thing that people who do play these kinds of games do. And since Sakurai does seem to be fairly well off and very into working, and this is like one of the only other things he does, I, he's just like, you know what? I want my girl to look cute. I'll spend as much as I want. Which, I don't know, I just find that amusing. I think they are both fantastic. And, like, Josh, I always knew... knew like had confidence in him but he continues to prove why i like him so much and natalie hoover this was a very interesting role for her to get a chance to shine and i think it worked out really well good job i'm uh yeah i'm not as uh, used to seeing natalie hoover and stuff i don't remember her quite as well so it's interesting to see her in this bit as you say Nails the cutesy, but has a broader range to deliver on some dramatic bits, on, on some sincerity or some anxiety, or anxiety, doubtful parts, and, uh... I'd say anxiety is a fair word, because, like, she is a little insecure and self-conscious about, like, everybody kind of nagging her as a healing party member, and also, mm -hmm. like, because she is cute and adorable, that, like, some of the other girls are straight up like jealous of her is like you better not steal my man you slut and that's straight up that's straight up what they're doing and she she's mm -hmm. a little isolated in that regard and as it's clear with sakurai he wants to connect with people he wants to befriend people and he saw something in hayashi and morioka that he really admired and saw something in him and mm -hmm. he wanted to connect to that yeah you see it in both roles, these, uh, well, with, with the two leads and their avatars, they're both isolated in different ways, and to see them try and connect is one of the real joys of this show. And, uh, yeah, Josh, good on you. You're kind and tender and also a big old funny goof when you need you. Thank you kindly. I think that Josh Greeley did a fantastic job in this role. It's... Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit different from his role in, in, in as Biakia, but also it, it kind of has a lot of that same um, presence behind it. Uh, he definitely has this presence of a, a well-meaning um, person, and that confidence that Josh really has really brings it uh, really brings it across. It really shows that he is actually kind of a really cool guy in real life, and I I think. That that's that's a good thing um, for the voice actor to show in the character. You know, it's this 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 person who just loves MMO games. He's a really really cool guy. You know, it's someone that you can believe that Morioka would actually look up to, and um, it's 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 very believable. Josh really brings that across. But I have to give special props because uh, because Natalie Hoover. Sonya Nevermind is is the standout role to me because like I knew I recognized that voice from somewhere, but oh my god, like the fact that it is Sonya, it, it's similar yet different. But this is the breakout performance of the show to me. Like this is the, you know, it's it's so cute, it's so perfect for the character. Um, Lily is is just such a cute character as it is, but like just honestly standout performance for me. Hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. Also, so, uh, uh, before we go on, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to talk about this more in final thoughts, but I just want to mention this very briefly. 
I genuinely appreciate how this show doesn't shame or call people who play, like, other genders online, like, perverts or freaks or something like that. I genuinely appreciate and respect that it is not something that is shamed or seen as, like, gross or weird. It's, like, it's just something people do, and it's an escapist fantasy. And I'm glad that this show actually approaches that with, like, genuine sincerity, realism, and tact, instead of going for the for the gross-out gag, like, oh, 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 you play a dude, or you play a chick, <laughs> you're a freak. Like, yep. ugh, thank you. Thank you! Yeah. yeah, the show really gets the feeling of what an actual healthy online community can be like. And, uh, yeah, it's idealized. We don't see the shitlords on the server teabagging people and trying to be a-holes, but that's not what the show is it's about. Not, it's... it's a concentration of the real lived online life of quality and goodness. And I uh, commend you for... I commend you creators of the show for doing such a good job. We'll, we'll get more to that later. I just wanted to say that before I forgot. Okay. Okay, then. So, in all the greens, Josh... Josh, he's very good no matter what he does. And Lily, nobody does it like Hoover. Uh, Hoover, that is. is. Lily is precious, and her smile must be redacted. And Sakurai is also precious, but goddammit, Zen, if you just made me realize he looks like Byaku Togami, and I fucking hate you for making me realize that. I know, but isn't that a perfect fit? Because he looks like him, but he actually has much more of a personality. Yes, but he's not a dick. Yes, but that's the difference. He's a more humane character. I'd... But he still has that presence of Byakia. He's also hotter than Byakia. Fucking fight me. Um, that's debatable. Fucking fight me! Okay, I'm done. <sighs> okay, PvP hasn't been turned on, guys, so we'll have to go to the other server once we finished off this next bit. Mm-hmm. Let, I, I've, I've said yes. my piece on both of them. Their smiles need to be protected. Yes, and speaking of needing to be protected, let's move on to our leads. We have the titular leading question, Moiko Morioka, and her avatar Hayashi. Moiko Morioka is a 30-year-old lead who... She, she did choose to... She chose the neat life. She she she, she, ha- she was fed up with her job. She genuinely yeah, she was fed up with up. her job. Wanted to disconnect from reality, so she quit her job and just started playing MMOs constantly. And that's that's what they do. That's what Neats and Hihikamori do. And I'll say this: this show doesn't exactly like it. Doesn't demonize nor particularly romanticize the neat life like it no, it just okay. it just is her life for better or for worse and she decided hey you know what i want to make a hot guy character and then she did yes the one thing yes. i wonder is how she supports her habit i mean yeah, i know that's, she that's she the, that's the question that hasn't been answered or clarified is like it does 
did she have like a lot saved up does she have like a good financial family does she get a lot of support because that's a nice ass like computer and monitor setup that she yeah gets. did she have a good severance package or does did she do something that she gets royalties from I can, i'm I can kind only of think wondering it must have been like a really well-off the only thing i can think it must have been a really like high up well-off position but it made her yeah. fucking miserable because, like, she was she was just alone in the office when she was talking on the phone with Koi Wai, and she was just so tired and brought nearly to tears. And that's why I genuinely was okay with Koi Wai as part of that triangle because the genuine connection and the realistic thing about how, like, he was a shoulder for her to lean on, like, when she was working in that lifestyle and i thought that was interesting she's an interesting character i love how she is just an older female female woman character that just is also into games and it's it doesn't like also like when she is like uh neat they don't go out of her way to make her hot she is just like she is just this kind of like her hair's long and disheveled she's got She's yeah. got the the crazy eyebrows, which I think has been dubbed the tribrow, which I kind of love that name. <laughs> she's got like the little mole, but she's got the baggy pants and the shitty clothes, and she's always getting beer. And the moments when she looks in her fridge and there's nothing there in the book. She is a genuine person that I could see in this position. And I think she's a fantastic character. And I fantastic. I really have to commend this show for showing a realistic portrayal of a person like this. And I I think she is uh, attractive in her own way. I like long hair on women. I like her I like her hair. I think uh oh, you know, I was kind of I'm upset not, when she cuts it. I'm not saying she's ugly. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying they don't make her conventionally trap attractive even when she's on her downtime. And she does clean up very nicely. Yes, and and they did a good job of showing that and showing the dark rings under her eyes, which I do get um, so at times. So uh, I mean, I understand that it's 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 you know when you have that MMO life, it's not easy, and I know that firsthand. <laughs> Although it makes sense, this show is someone dealing likely with an anxiety or depressive problem. And it's not trying to create... This is not something that is catered to towards men. I would bet you dollars to donuts that this was either written for a shoujo magazine. It was definitely written by a woman. Could, it's, She's not objectifying... It's absolutely a female writer. I can tell it just, it just feels yeah. like it. Yeah. It, it, I've looked her up online. She is a lady. And this is the lived experience of someone who is a woman in modern working Japan and deals with all of the BS that would be expected Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Uh, they, don't, they don't really say it aloud 100%, but there seem to be just a lot of the different pressures that are come from working in an office culture like Japan. As a woman, yep, you'd you too would have your mental breakdown. By the way, fun fact before we move on to predictions. You actually see Morioka in the ending, like in the office space when like Sakurai's on the computer. You actually see yeah. her like at when she was working there walk by very quickly. I thought that was a neat little touch. So before we move on to predictions, we also have to talk about Avatar Hayashi. Pretty much an extension to Morioka. He, he, to the point that he's hot. He's blue. He's kind of a dork, but he's kind of amazing. 
and he has a genuine connection with Lily, and he spams the cry emoji, which I thought was amazing. Yes. <laughs> that scene was which is funny when we get into the actor, but let's start with predictions first. All right. Uh, in regards to Hayashi, Can I, go last? I had uh, two predictions since I wanted somebody who sounded a little younger, but also kind of hot, but also a bit badass and manly uh, and a little bit dorky, too. Uh, so I had Alejandro Saab and Aaron Dismuke. In regards to Moriko Morioka, uh, I was thinking uh, somebody like who was a like little more veter- veteran uh, actress. Uh, I was thinking either uh, Leah Clark or Colleen Clinkenbeard, since I've heard that both of them play mature uh, working class worker ladies, as well as Michelle Rojas, because I was thinking absolutely Koyagami would be a very interesting person to play for Moriko Morioka. I, for Hayashi, I also went with someone dorky, but I also wanted to maybe see them flex their range a little too, so. I had Cliff, because, goddammit, I figured he'd be in here somewhere, just not in the first episode. I had Josh Greeley, I had Matt Shipman. As for Morioka, this is kind of interesting, because two out of three of my predictions... I figured it could be age appropriate, you know, I want to see someone play something easily mature, but yeah. I went with Alex Moore and Kristen McGuire. I, I can see, for, I can see that. But as for my third pick, it's kind of out of the box because I want to see him flex their range. And uh, once again, if you know me, I'm going to pick Brent April. Really? Well, well, see, because he serves the thing. I mean, a lot of times we know her to be this kind of mo as Moe characters, but if you've heard her in commentaries and you say, you know, she actually sounds, she sounds a bit older than she actually uh, is. I, I, I mean, I, I, okay, I, I guess I just, I, my, I was just surprised because I, I know Bryn is still fa- fairly young, so I thought that was an interesting choice. Okay. I mean, we have some younger voice actors who can easily play older okay, characters. Okay, that's okay. That's true. That's true. I, I still can't believe the black magic that is Damon Mills as uh, the Russian yes. coach. But you're right. You're right. You're fair point. Fair point. Sadly, she's uh, playing another game where she has to kind of act mature. What? It's for another episode. You'll see what I mean later. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll get to back to that later. Anyways, um, uh, Sneeps. Oh, I, uh, building off the previous one, I thought we'd be getting the inverse of my guess. It, uh, Michael J. Tatum as Hayashi and Rachel Thompson as Moriko. I thought it would be a fun little exercise in this to, uh, to swap the Raptors, I'd guessed previously for Yuta and Lily. It seemed like it would be a, a different challenge to for the actors to play with. Plus, it would be just fun for us viewers to pick up on. Okay. Okay, then. But for who's actually playing these roles, and this is kind of a surprise to me. Let's start backwards. For Hayashi, we have Aaron Dismuke. And for Moiko Morioka, 
we have Terry Doty. What have they done before? In Terry Doty's case, she's also Kirara Hazuma from Assassination Classroom, Kyoko Machi from Interviews with Monster Girls, Kei Higuchi from Keijo, I guess she puts the K in Keijo. She's the Blue Ranger from Level E, Pig Macaron from Show by Rock, and Kamika Todoroki from Corpse Princess. And also, Kami quite literally, every single young boy character in everything ever. Goddamn, seriously, take a look at her resume. Seriously, man, if you ever want to cry, just watch Corpse Princess. Speaking of which, you can see Speak Spam the Cry Emote, and this mute as the lead in Corpse Princess is Ori Kagami. Wow, that was a mouthful. He's also Leonardo Watch from Blood Blockade Battlefront, Fuyuhiko Kusuryu from Danganronpa 3, Yotakami from Dead Man Wonderland, he's the original Alphonse from Formel Alchemist, Upa from Nambaka, and Peiko from Ping Pong. So, let's begin. Mm. Alright, uh, okay. So, Aaron Dismuke as Hayashi. Spot on, like I predicted, but he's he gets a lot of material to go very comedic. He's got a lot of great reactions, hilarious moments and outbursts. The the cry emote is one thing. I adored the scene where uh, they're imagining giving the gift to Lily and it goes full on shoujo. Uh, uh, just the genuine outbursts and failure of trying to get the loot boxes and just the chemistry he's got with all the characters. And it sounds like he's also, like, he's at times he is trying to play more badass and fan fantastical, but also kind of gets a little bit of Morioka's, like, dorky vulnerability as well. Mm -hmm. He's pretty good. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot I really have to say. I think Aaron Dismuke's really good. The one I really want to talk about yeah. is Terry Doty. I know, Terry right? Doty quite often in a lot of roles you mentioned is she is played teenagers or younger boys she's played like she does teen in age girls like she she does that pretty good i i liked her as like kyoko but that was one that definitely took me a little bit of getting used to as well uh she she's got a very uh deeper range that's why she plays a lot of like younger boys going through like before they hit puberty and all that and she does that really well but, this is an interesting role. This is her straight up getting to play a grown-up, like, older woman, kind of a little tired, kind of a little, a little lazy, but also very, like, very dorky, very fun, and very interesting. But, she completely gets this character. She completely nails Moriko Morioka. It's genuinely impressive show of talent, uh, given, like, some of the other things she usually gets to play and i usually get to hear her and i honestly think that this was an interesting choice and probably one of the best ones for this dub i think she's one of the strongest performances in the show because not only is her emotional vulnerability very present but she has hilarious comedic timing the reactions and like what her abruptly like crying when she's spamming the emoji her, out, her <laughs> outbursts, her outrageous, over-dramatized moments. But she's great. She's fantastic. She also gets the 
realness that is Moriko's struggle and her insecurity and also her doubt and all of it her fear her anxiety her just outrageous dorkiness and is there also fun little fact every time she gets insecure or nervous she starts cleaning with the little roller thing yeah <laughs> like it's a consistent thing and i thought that's interesting but goddamn i was pleasantly surprised and i straight up i will straight up say that i think terry doty is the strongest and most surprising performance out of this dub cast here here yeah Aaron, as always, is an amazing guy who can do amazing things. We loved you since Full Metal Alchemist, bro. And, uh, yeah, here too, he's got the wide range, and he, he just rides those comedic bits. He loves them so. But the switch over to Terry Doty, switch over to Terry Doty, she is phenomenal. Really hits the emotional beats, as we say, super super um, vulnerable, super nuanced in her performance. I'm impressed. Uh, good job, Terry. Thank you. This this has been a real treat to see. You, you made me relate to a fictional character in ways I did not think I would be doing so all year. Good job. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to agree. I think Aaron Desmuk did a great job and is clearly like a, a very natural voice, but Terry Doty is the, is the clear standout here. She just brings across this exhaust. Uh, the, she brings across this exhaustion, but at the same time, this cute nature to her. Like when she's spinning with a stuffed animal, and when she's just like, "Why am I so happy? Why is my heart beating so fast?" And that's what really makes me squee because she is so relatable. And Terry, uh, it, it's all in Terry's performance here. It's it's all in. Her delivery, her cadence, the uh, the tiredness of the character, but also at the same time her excited nature, her, her excitable nature in general, and um, she's just she's so cute, but at the same time um, realistic, and it just Terry, I don't know how you do it, but you did a fantastic job. Yeah, and this because Hayashi, I thought it was pretty good. Like, well, Aaron, it's either. Stocky little drag off or you know spastic little whatever. Snarky like. little jack off <laughs> or spastic whatever is a very interesting spray range of characters. Yeah, in this case it's a little bit of the latter, but it's also just nice guy Aaron and he really kinda of, he really manages to play as an extension of Morioka to which I was actually kind of surprised there was Terry Doty because, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, I believe this is Terry Doty's first lead role. I think it... Holy shit, I think you're actually right, yeah. Yes. It is. You've it's, it, Terry. Like I said, she's got, she's got a very interesting voice, and it's very particular because in regards to, like... Like, lead, leading ladies or female L ladies, they're usually very much more younger sounding much more like feminine and or cutesy and for morioka she is straight up a older kind of beat beaten down and tired like older woman and it's 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 a, like a particular thing about terry's voice where it's like it you can't really 
get a lot of those like high pitched like voices or that kind of those very young younger high pitched characters. But that's why I'm so impressed with her as Moriko Morioka because it straight up is it feels like a role she was made to play. Just the way her de- she delivers these lines, she delivers this realness to her as a character because it's i i just love it i i was so surprised like i i i like terry doty as an actress but like i said she has a very particular voice that isn't always something that resonates with some of these more anime-esque female characters like like lily for example i could not see terry doing a character like lily really good or really well i think like that's why it's hard to get a lot of those like older ladies which aren't always at the forefront of anime that's why i think it's so great Mm. that morioka is who she is that's fair yeah in my casting sorry you go ahead in my defense for casting her i thought it was more of a a neat little inverse flip thing than uh as you say a attempt to copy the Japanese version. I don't think that in my casting of Rachel that it would have had the same uh, effect, but that's just my own doing here. And I adore her Japanese voice actor too, but I just, I really, really was surprised and impressed by Terry Doty. Yeah, because with Terry Doty in this role, it's like, uh, how how do I explain this? Uh, Pretty much... Because here's the thing, when I know Terry Doty, normally it's from the anime show, I usually think of her as like a bit of a badass, so when she flips that switch, it's easy for her to just like, you know, kind of invert herself, you know? Like, she manages to play up the vulnerabilities very well, to the point that, (laughs) if you remember episode one, she stopped thinking to herself that she was a girl, because she said... It does, and I quote, "I'll I'll never lose how, my virginity as a dude or something like that." It's like exactly. it's like I don't. I'm a girl. I don't. I'll never lose girl. my virginity as as a man. Uh, Wait. Yeah, she just <laughs> she just pretty much threw her inhibitions out the window. It, it's like, like she she got into this character and she's like, "Damn it, I'm a girl. I need to understand how girls think. Why can't I girl?" Exactly. I get it, but. I love I love that part of the performance. I think that that's what really sold me on that character in general. Like I liked it, but like when I first heard that line and that whole interaction and stuff like that, like I'm just like it it's so real, it's so human, it's so uh, it's so funny, but I personally I can relate to this in in un, a couple different levels. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like she's a bit of a wallflower. Like, she can't try to go, but what she does, you know, it's like she just becomes a blossoming butterfly from a caterpillar. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I still I still remember that one scene where she's just, like, hugging her body pillow. And just it, it's again. like she, she's happy, and it's, it's a cute little thing, and she's having this kind of emotional conflict where it's like, I don't know if this is a romantic feeling or if this is just genuine joy of having somebody who understands and is compassionate. It's, and it's very real. And I really like it. Yes. Yeah, Thank you, Terry it's, Doty. It's like, You've given us the expression of the anxiety brewing in all our millennial hearts. Yeah, it's like she requested to a little girl and she managed to play up that reality a bit because, you know, 
in the Japanese society, when you overwork, it's easy to lose reality. So it's like, I why think... do you think there's so much anime? Why do you think there is so much anime or so much anime geared toward those otaku types? Because it is the escapist fantasy from those who can't deal with the isolated working life that is what they are trapped in. And that's what Morioka as a character was afraid of and why she wanted to get out and why so many others want to get out because they feel there is no other option. There is no other way to get up or get a better job or a different job. There is just, you either stay a cog in the system or you get out and shut yourself in. And one of the better scenes in the show for, for that is where she sees like all the faceless corporate zombies going into the castle of her old MMO. And it's a very subtle scene. You know, it's it's her sleep. It, well, it's basically when she's knocked out and it, she's like dreaming this. But um, it really symbolizes everything she feels about the entire situation. And it's brilliant. It was really good. Late capitalism, boys and girls. Late Simply capitalism. put... Terry Doty. I don't always get to see Terry Doty shine like this, but straight up, she is Moriko Morioka. And that is as mm -hmm. fucking high a praise as I can say for an actor when I say, you are not just playing this character, you are this character. Amen. And with that being said, let's move into final thoughts. I'm going last. You know how this game works. <laughs> In that case, right, um, I will let Sneebs go first because he wants to. Thank you. Okay. Oh, I I love this show. It's uh, it's a super sweet little love story that uh, gets what it's like to live in the internet age. Uh, presentation is bright and cheerful, good color palette. As you mentioned, that subtle bit with the character designs uh, to show the different MMO and real worlds. And it uh, really speaks to what it's like to live in the internet age and how virtual relationships are just as real as any other. And uh, I commend everyone on the staff of this show to bring it together. Uh, writing, directing, the whole shebang. Uh, this dub is excellent, probably one of the best I've heard all year, and definitely something you should be talking about. You dub listeners out there, pick this up. It's amazing. Yeah, I guess I'll go next. So with this show, I really enjoyed the, a lot of the aspects of it. A lot of the, it's kind of grounded in realism, with other shows try to do that, but it kind of fails. What really makes it work is, and Crunchyroll kind of pointed this out, is how it pieces its initial misunderstandings into something more realistic. Was that Nick, was that Nick Creamer's article? Because he's been writing a lot about it and doing some really on-point stuff with it. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Pretty much, it just the whole point of it is you want to focus on characters you want to get together like you know like there's some that there has to be like some semblance to the story otherwise it just kind of falls flat and that's where mmo really kind of shines because you know it's not just about gaming it's about what happens on and off the mmo world you know and i really like its approach to it i really like the singing aspect of it because this is not just about high schoolers or anything of the sort, not the usual sort, it's 
pretty much geared to like pretty much anybody in the workplace that uses gaming as a stress relief. And believe me, I know because I I kind of am one. <laughs> I think yeah. we all are to some extent. Already. Yeah, but I play an MMO that has RPGs, not is an RPG. Mm. Point still stands though. I I really like the show so much. And as for the dub. The dub is very solid, it's very spectacular, I think Cliff knew where to hit all the right notes with his direction, I think Jessica knew where to hit all the right notes with the wording, and pretty much the cast was kind of on point, even if some of them aren't as fleshed out as they are, yeah. But that's not really the fault of the dub, that's really... No, that's the fault of the show. Which is why I'm also going to be sad because I found out it's 10 episodes. Technically it's... 11 because there is an OVA on the DVD and Blu-ray. Which means the odds of it, us getting it and getting it dubbed are actually higher. But make sure to go over to Funimation and be like, Hey guys, go pick up that fucking OVA please and thank you. Yes, but right now, only time will tell. We can't really say anything further than true, that. True. But overall, overall, give this show the love and respect it deserves. Like, I know there are some bigger shows out there right now, but don't let these kind of shows be overlooked either. This is Gem of the Season. Gem of the Season. <laughs> yes, the hidden gem of the season. Well, there are also some other hidden gems too, but this is the big one. Let's put it that way, like, it's so big. How do you how do you even miss it? Like, oh, it's it. it's definitely been growing since like since it started, and I'm very happy to see it picking up steam, and it's only getting more people to watch it and check it out, and I'm so happy for that. Zen, it's really a shame that this is only going to be ten episodes because I've watched five episodes now. There are five episodes of the dub out at this time, um, and there's going to be another tomorrow, but I. I have fallen in love with this show. It represents a lot of the things that I love about certain anime and how they can tackle deep emotional issues, deep things that really need to be talked about, really need to be said, but still uh, has this lighthearted, fluffy center to it. And it makes you happy. It fills me up with such joy watching it. And I think this is something that I wholeheartedly say that I'm I'm going to buy this, um, and I'm going to review this, and I'm definitely going to uh, talk about it, but you need to go out and buy this yourself, or at least watch it on Funimation.com, um, because this is one of the shows that you cannot afford to miss. This is one of the top, top shows this season, top dubs this season, and while I'm not watching all of the simulcasts, honestly, like if I did that, I would lose my mind. Um, out of the ones that I'm watching right now, this is this is uh, worth your time. Um, and out of the entire year, I think this is one of my top. Uh, it is it is seriously that good of a show. It is it tugs at your heart heartstrings. It has realistic human characters. It is genuinely funny and welcoming and brimming with cuteness and um i relate to it so much on a few different levels but i think you will too because there's something in it for everyone and even though some of the characters don't get as much development as i would like they don't really need to because um as of right now they're still human and they still have great character 
and the people that we do focus on are great as well, and it's just, I want more. I, I'm sad it's 10 episodes. I kind of want more, but, uh, you know, if, if you guys are watching this, the creators of the show, I, I don't know why you would, but um, if you're watching this, please make more. Please, please make more. Season two. Season All right. Two. Okay. So, straight up, this is this is an important show to me in that it it's not even just because I've we've seen the anime based about video games. We've seen the animes online video games. We see the trapped in the video games things. But this is not even about the video game. I don't know what the fuck the mechanics of Fruit de Mer are. I don't really know how many of the dorky, doofy, Pikachu-esque Kenshiro Fist of the North Star bosses there really are. That's irrelevant. Here's what the show is. This show is about the human connection that happens online, that happens to people to meet online and the bond that people share it doesn't even matter if it was an mmo that you've had this experience with it could be something like a video game online i've had this because i met people playing on xbox live through halo 3 this is like if you've ever met somebody online on a forum who you've bonded with what do you think we've done we at dub talk are here because we just randomly found each other through circumstances and we came together that's why we're so close now because it is something about the internet and the friendship and bonds you have on the internet and this is a show that encapsulates that that encapsulates that bond that connection that friendship i think there's a line that's said in episode eight by sakurai where it's like I I wanted to be, I wanted to be alone but being alone was lonely. So and when I play an MMO I could be alone but never lonely. And in that single moment it made me realize this show understood the importance and the connection that people who meet and befriend and play and are part of the internet and are part of the gaming world. That proves that the, the person who, who's making the show understands that completely. As for the show itself, the show is so goddamn precious, adorable, cute, funny, but it also is genuinely real and touching and heartwarming and upsetting. And you feel the struggles of these characters the, who are older and like they're not just dumb teenagers. They actually are working people. There's some misunderstanding and awkwardness, but they are adults and people. And sometimes they actually do straight up just talk about it. Or at least they have a really good wingman. It's, I love Morioka as a lead. I love her relationship with Sakurai. I even love her chemistry with Koiwai. And I love her connection with her friends online. I adore that. It's so cute. It's so bright. It's so heartwarming. It's so touching. And I love it so. The dub is spectacular. I love these performances. A lot of known actors who are giving their all. While also more unknown 
actors or less frequent actors who are actually getting to show their stuff. And some that are really getting to shine in breakout roles. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm so happy with this show. I'm so happy that this surprising little show that everybody's like, oh, nobody's going to give a shit about this, became one of the standouts of the season. And it means so much. Go watch this show. Go watch it dub. Or if you're you're somehow a sub elitist who are like, why are you watching a dub talk video if you're like, oh man, dubs are stupid. I'm amazed you made it this long if that's the case. But watch it on Crunchyroll. Watch it on Funimation. Tell people to watch this. This is a fantastic show. It's so good. Yes, it is. Fa- Amen it's very to that. Fantastic. Yes. Though, yeah. if you're not a fan of dubs, then why are you listening to dub talk? I was going to say that. But mm. you know what? If you are, thanks for giving us the views anyway, you son of a bitch. All right. Yes. And- if you are a fan of dubs and you're interested in seeing the dub for recovery of an MMO junkie, episodes are currently available on the Funimation Now service, which is up to episode 5 at the time of recording. The first two episodes are available for free, but the rest are behind the subscriber paywall. Which, if you're interested in subscribing, they do have a 14-day free trial you can use to watch their cyber dubs and hope video releases. But fair warning, if you don't like the service or don't want to continue after the 14 days are up, make sure to cancel as soon as possible since the credit card is required and they will stop pouring money from your account. As for the show itself, the sub can be found on Crunchyroll as part of the Funnyroll partnership. You can watch with or without a subscription, but just know without a subscription there will be ads and the latest episode will be a week behind the subscriber paywall. But this show is worth your money. Uh, I actually renewed my Funimation Now subscription because of this show. I, I was going to do it eventually anyway, uh, but uh, I... I, I wanted to keep watching i had to keep watching and uh it was worth it yes there's also a third subscription service called verve where if you opt for the combo pack for ten dollars a month you get access to funimation crunchyroll cartoon hangover and more as well as original programming be warned sponsorship not brought to you by verve but by the way verve Verve, give us the canadian service Please. Also, give us give us money to uh, promote you because we like money. Hashtag free promotion. Hashtag you know you. you okay, what were you gonna say, Jamal? Also, also give us subtitles for dubs because there are none when you watch a anime. But I know you guys are aware you could you work it out a fix for it. It's like certain shows where it's like they're speaking foreign languages in the dub, like Drifters, Ping Pong, or Devil is Part Timer, just to name a couple. But anyways, just just a heads up for those kinds of shows. You're watching them dubbed on Burp. Anyways. Yeah, so, if you're interested in seeing any of us and the crazy shit we get up to online, go ahead and plug yourselves. Um, my name is Andrew, otherwise known as Classy Spartan, otherwise known as at MangaMan9000 over on Twitter. You can see me regularly doing stuff for the Dub Talk podcast as well as... Um, I also lurk on the Funimation forums, as well as help moderate the Funimation Discord channel. You can find me online, at Uncle Azrael, Mr. Sneebs, Occult P.I., tweeting to you live from the far, far reaches of the Canadian North. Among my other commitments, I make fun of people on the internet. On to you. Um, I am at Zenithal Rule on Twitter. I am also 
uh, on Facebook and at Zenith Will Rule, facebook.com slash Zenith Will Rule, and uh, I have my fan page as well. I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash Zenith Will Review, where I do a whole bunch of different reviews and in, in, uh, in podcasts and stuff like that. I'm currently working on getting the next year of anime reviews set. Um, currently, I have Food Wars all prepped and ready for final editing. Assassination Classroom is uh, my next project. And then I have uh, Danganronpa the Animation scheduled for coming for the coming year. Blood Blockade Battlefront. Lots of anime coming in the future. Simply put, I expect also, more anime content. Expect a lot more anime and a lot more games and a lot more films. Um, on my other YouTube channel, youtube.com slash zengaming, um, where I, uh, you know, look up Zen Plays. I Zen Plays Danganronpa. I do Let's Plays and voice act, and uh, have a lot of fun. And as for me, I'm an assistant editor for the channel. I can be found on my other channel, Jamstar1. I do have a blog that's offline at the moment. I can also be found on Twitter at Jamstar529. As for the podcast itself, we can be found here on YouTube under the name Dub Talk Podcast. We can also be found on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter by the same name. So, I think that's pretty much it for us, and our, our recommendation to use, a recommendation to what the virtual life, please give this show your love and respect. By the way, complete tangent, this is one of the ver- rare times where it's straight up like, the localized title is kind of false, and that the, the they have an actual English title that I think actually describes the show better, because recovery of an MMO junkie is like... Like a welcome to the NHK style title where it's like she has a problem or this is something that's bad for her. Like, it's 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 a positive force in her life. Like, you could argue that, like, she is living a shelter neat life, but it's clearly something that helps her. And something that's important to her and all of them to be part of this virtual life. This recommendation of this wonderful virtual life, as I think... The title in the OP is called, by the way, the OP's really good. And the ED. Yeah. They're both fantastic songs. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's my little tangent. This is a good ass show. I like it. Very good. So from all of us here at Dub Talk, we wish you a good night. And Otaku on. So, so we're signing off. Hopefully. Well, we're signing off. If you excuse me, I'm gonna sign on to my Xbox right now. <laughs> we're signing off, and I need to and actually play some games. Maybe you'll find our alternate account. I feel like playing some Vigimo games right now. Maybe, maybe with my headset turned on for once, just because I can <laughs> probably meet some wonderful, truly amazing friends. Good night, everybody. Or they'll tell me to fuck off and fuck my mother. You know, it's gaming. Good night. It's 8 o'clock!